Check out the YouTube version of this episode, which has accompanying visuals, including maps, charts, timelines, photos, illustrations, and diagrams. Support our channel by watching and clicking on the ads in the video. It costs you nothing, and by doing so, gives us extra credit and encourages, supports, and helps us to create more quality content. Thanks. Welcome to the History of North America. I'm Mark Vinette. The Reformation was indeed a watershed in human history. It encouraged the emancipation of the mind, resulting in the Enlightenment and modern science. It anticipated secularization, the political principle advocating the separation of church and state and the modern nation-state. It encouraged individualism and human initiative, resulting in modern capitalism and industrialization and, today, globalism. One of the Reformation's most influential personalities was John Calvin. His monumental life provides captivating insight, linking a defining historical epoch with the ripples emanating from its wake, and in the process shares much about religion's wants and future impact on human life and development of North America. Let's unravel the truth, myth, legend, traditions, and mysteries surrounding this titan of history which helps explain the relationship between religion, commerce, and conquest at the beginning of European exploration and colonization of the North American continent. John Calvin, 1509-1564 John Calvin was born in the village of Nouillon in northeastern France on the 10th of July, 1509. He was intended by his parents for the priesthood, for which he seemed to be particularly fitted by his naturally austere disposition, averse to every form of sport or frivolity, and he was given an excellent education with that calling in view. But finally, at the command of his father, whose plans for his son had undergone a change, he gave up his theological preparation and devoted himself to the study of law. Gifted with an extraordinary memory, rare insight, and an uncommonly keen reasoning faculty, he speedily distinguished himself in his new field, and a brilliant career was predicted for him by his teachers. His tastes, however, were more literary than legal, and his first published work, written at the age of twenty-three, was a commentary on Seneca's De Clementia, which brought him wide repute as a classical scholar and as a clear and forceful writer. Though he had apparently renounced forever all thoughts of a clerical life, he retained even while he was engaged in the study of law and in the more congenial pursuit of literature, his early love for theology, and in 1532, under the influence of some of Luther's writings, which happened to fall into his hands, he was converted to the Protestant faith and threw in his fortunes with the little evangelical party in Paris. His intellectual attainments made him a marked man wherever he went and he speedily became the leading spirit in the circle to which he had attached himself. Compelled soon afterward by the persecuting measures of King Francis I to flee the country, he took up his residence at Basley and settled down, as he hoped, to a quiet literary life. It was during his stay here that he published in 1536 the first edition of his greatest work, The Christian Institutes in which is contained the system of theology which has for centuries borne his name, and by which he is best known to the world at large. Probably no other work written by so young a man has ever produced such a widespread, profound, and lasting influence. 
In its original form, it is true, the work was only a brief and simple introduction to the study of the scriptures, much less imposing and forbidding than the elaborate body of divinity which is now known to theologians as Calvin's Institutes. But all the substance of the last edition is to be found in the first. The theology of the one is the theology of the other. The Calvin of 1559 is the Calvin of 1536. The fact that at the age of 26 Calvin could publish a system of theology at once so original and so profound, a system, moreover, which with all his activity of intellect and love of truth he never had occasion to modify in any essential particular, is one of the most striking phenomena in the history of the human mind and yet it is but one of many illustrations of the man's marvelous clearness and comprehensiveness of vision, and of his force and decision of character. His life from beginning to end was the consistent unfolding of a single dominant principle, the unwavering pursuit of a single controlling purpose. From his earliest youth the sense of duty was all supreme with him. He lived under a constant imperative, in awe of and in reverent obedience to the will of a sovereign God and his theology is but the translation into language of that experience. It's translation by one of the world's greatest masters of logical thought and of clear speech. Calvin's great work was accompanied by a dedicatory epistle addressed to King Francis I, which is by common consent one of the finest specimens of courteous and convincing apology in existence. Soon after the publication of the Institutes, Calvin's plans for a quiet literary career were interrupted by a preemptory call to assist in the work of reforming the church and state of Geneva, and the remainder of his life, with the exception of a brief interval of exile, was spent in that city, at the head of a religious movement whose influence was ultimately felt throughout all Western Europe. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-218-6010. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-218-6010. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-218-6010. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. It is true that Calvin was not the originating genius of the Reformation, that he belonged only to the second generation of Reformers, and that he learned the Protestant faith from Luther. But he became for the peoples of Western Europe what Luther was for Germany, and he gave his own peculiar type of Protestantism, that type which was congenial to his disposition and experience, to Switzerland, to France, to the Netherlands, to Scotland, and through the Dutch, the English Puritans, and the Scotch Presbyterians, to large portions of the New World. Calvin, to be sure, is not widely popular today, even in those lands which owe him most, for he had little of that human sympathy which glorifies the best thought and life of the present age. But for all that, he has left his mark upon the world, and his influence is not likely ever to be wholly outgrown. 
His emphasis upon God's holiness made his followers scrupulously, even censoriously pure. His emphasis upon God's will made them stern and unyielding in the performance of what they believed to be their duty. His emphasis upon God's majesty, paradoxical though it may seem at first sight, promoted in no small degree the growth of civil and religious liberty, for it dwarfed all mere human authority and made men bold to withstand the unlawful encroachments of their fellows. Thus Calvin became a mighty force in the world, though he gave the world far more of law than of gospel, far more of Moses than of Christ. Calvin's career as a writer began at an early day and continued until his death. His pen was a ready one and was seldom idle. In the midst of the most engrossing cares and occupations, the cares and occupations of a preacher, a pastor, a teacher of theology, a statesman, and a reformer to whom the Protestants of many lands looked for inspiration and for counsel, he found time, though he died at the early age of forty-four, to produce works that today fill more than threescore volumes, and all of which bear the unmistakable impress of a great mind. In addition to his institutes, theological and ethical tracts and treatises, sermons and epistles without number, he wrote commentaries upon almost all the books of the Bible, which for lucidity, for wide and accurate learning, and for sound and ripe judgment have never been surpassed. Among the most characteristic and important of his briefer works are his vigorous and effective reply to Cardinal Sadolet, who had endeavored after Calvin's exile from Geneva in 1539 to win back the Genovese to the Roman Church. His tract on the necessity of reforming the church, presented to the imperial diet at Spears, A.D. 1544, in the cause of all who wish with Christ to reign, an admirable statement of the conditions which had made a reformation of the church imperatively necessary, and had led to the great religious and ecclesiastical revolution. Another tract on the true method of giving peace to Christendom and reforming the church, marked by a beautiful Christian spirit and permeated with sound practical sense. Still another containing articles agreed upon by the Faculty of Sacred Theology at Paris with the antidote. And finally, an admonition showing the advantages which Christendom might derive from an inventory of relics. Though Calvin was from boyhood up of a most serious turn of mind, and though his writings, in marked contrast to the writings of Luther, exhibit few of any traces of genial, spontaneous humor. The last two works show that he knew how to employ satire on occasion, in a very telling way for the overthrow of error and for the discomfiture of his opponents. In addition to the services which Calvin rendered by his writings to the cause of Christianity and of sacred learning, must be recognized the lasting obligation under which, as an author, he put his mother tongue. Whether he wrote in Latin or in French, his style was always chaste, elegant, clear, and vigorous. His Latin compares favorably with the best models of antiquity. His French is a new creation. The latter language, indeed, owes almost as much to Calvin as the German language owes to Luther. He was unquestionably its greatest master in the 16th century, and he did more than anyone else to fix its permanent character, to give it that exactness, that lucidity, that purity and harmony of which it justly boasts. Calvin's writings bear throughout the imprint of his character. There appears in all of them the same horror of impurity and dishonor, the same stern sense of duty, the same respect for the sovereignty of the Almighty, the same severe judgment of human failings. To read them is to breathe the tonic air of snow-clad heights, 
but they are seldom if ever touched with the tender glow of human feeling or transfigured with the radiance of creative imagination there is that in david in isaiah in paul in luther which appeals to every heart and makes their words immortal but calvin was neither poet nor prophet the divine afflatus was not his and it is not without reason that his writings vigorous forceful profound as is their context and pure and elegant as is their style are read today only by theologians or historians next time we cross a perilous ocean to the new world territory of florida as we continue our deep dive into the protestant reformation a form of christianity that inspired early generations of men and women to cross a perilous ocean with their few belongings hopes dreams and determination and travel to the shores of north america i'm mark vinette and i hope you're enjoying the ride The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.